Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Well, here we are again in the rainforest. I know, although in podcast time, I don't think we are here again. Well, back to the future. Be here soon? Yes. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in a multitude of places and none at the same time. And with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk to Dawn Steinberg, EVP of Worldwide Talent and Casting at Sony Pictures Television. And then in Take a Hike, we are going back to Puerto Rico. So we're going to talk about what we're going to do differently this time around. And finally, this week's Hollywood hack will make you teary. But first, Sarah, we have an update for everybody. There is a new trailer for Fantasy Island, and we are very excited about it. Yes. It's the, like, full minute trailer, not just the, like, little teasers. So you actually can see and get a hint of what some of the stories are. It looks fantastic. Yes. I keep watching it over and over, I must admit. (laughs) I know, me too. And Sarah, we will link to the trailer in the show notes. So if you haven't seen it and you'd like to uh, go to the show notes at happierinhollywood.com, you can see the trailer. Yay! Starring the wonderful Rosalind Sanchez. Okay, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's casting. We are going to talk to Don Steinberg, who's EVP of casting at Sony uh, Pictures Television, and someone we have known for years and we just think is so wonderful. So we're going to ask her everything there is to ask about casting, which is, of course, a huge part of what we do. Yes. So Dawn has been the EVP of Worldwide Talent and Casting for Sony Pictures Television since 2008. She's worked closely with casting directors, writers, and producers overseeing casting for all current SPT series, movies, limited series, as well as SPT's projects in development for network, cable, and streaming. 
In the last four years, she's taken on the position of working with Sony's international division and the production companies that it owns. She's been instrumental in the casting of Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad and Rose Byrne in Damages. She currently oversees casting on shows like The Good Doctor, The Goldbergs, The Blacklist, For All Mankind, Cobra Kai, SWAT, and Better Call Saul, and, of course, Liz, Fantasy Island. Yes, Dawn began her career in New York City, casting off-Broadway theatrical productions and co-running the West Bank Cafe Downstairs Theater Bar before moving to Los Angeles in 1991 and working as an independent casting director in both motion pictures and television. Dawn also sits on the Women in Leadership Committee Board in addition to the Sony Pictures Time for Change Content Committee Board. And we should mention, Sarah, that Dawn is a native New Yorker who went to the famous High School of Performing Arts in New York City. Yes. Which was the home of fame, the movie, which we're going to ask Dawn about. I cannot wait. Dawn, welcome. Welcome. Hi, guys. It's so good to see you. It's really actually good to see you. It's been uh, many, many months of emails. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. So, Don, first of all, can you just describe your job for our listeners? Oh, I love my job. I actually, uh, I feel lucky that I have my job. I'm a casting executive. And so I work at Sony, where you guys are working on the fabulous Fantasy Island at the moment. So each show that we do has a casting director. And the casting executive is somebody that oversees all the different shows for the studio. So we help every show that we do. I use the expression, it takes a village. Because mm-hmm. uh, when I started in casting, it was, oh, you had to know the actors in New York and in Canada. Now we are watching self-tapes and we are just dealing with, I mean, Canada, Ireland, Scotland, London, Mexico. I mean, tapes are coming in every day from all over the place. So in using the expression, it takes a village, it sort of does the scope of what we do. So we supervise the casting of every single show. We work with the casting directors, the agents, the managers to bring the best people in for the project. And whether that be the pilot or the episodes, that's what we do. And pilot casting is so, it's such a Antiquated and old, yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's also like, it's kind of, I mean, our theory is the cast in the end makes or breaks a show, right? I mean- you could have a great show, and if the cast doesn't gel, it's it's not going to work. But if you have an okay show with an amazing cast, you can have a hit, right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you guys think that because we in casting thinks it, think it's about the script. So, uh, <gasps> Oh, really? Think, yeah. So that's it's, – it's, I love that you actually think that. Um, a really good cast can elevate a mediocre script, and a really good cast can – take to the next levels a great script. But yeah, it's, okay, so I'll give it to you. It's about the cast. (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth. It is. I mean, it's really about how that dynamic comes together. Yeah, I think the problem is with pilot casting is there's so many cooks in the pot. And um, it's like, you know, you look at a great, a painting, I always call it. And if there's a line down the painting, there are two roles the left side and the right side. But if the artist is painting all these little dots and all these little avenues and all these little things, and you end up looking at a great Monet, and if all those were actors, that's the job of the people in casting is to put the actors in all those little spots and they all have to make sense. 
And so even from the smallest role, people say, eh, who cares? Just cast them. We don't just do that because I'll obsess and my casting directors will obsess Mm. all night that that one role will stick out like a sore thumb. And you have to be authentic to what you guys have written. I mean, I think for the writers, you go to bed. What I wrote down something that I never thought of this until last night. You want to make sure that your words come to life and the wrong actor can kill that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we might cut a scene if we don't like the way it plays. We might and it just could say be one of your favorite scene. scenes or it could be pivotal or it could yeah. be something that yes. you never wanted to land on the, on the cutting room floor. And then, of course, we feel guilty and bad and horrible. And it <laughs> or we fire somebody in the middle and then it costs more money to, you know, go back and do that. So that's crazy. I have a question about the politics of casting a pilot, because like you said, there are so many cooks in that kitchen. There's obviously the writers and showrunners. There's the studio, the network. It's like director. All of these different elements can be pushing for different things. How do you, as the executive at the top, kind of help balance that out? Well, it is a balancing act. It is a balancing act, and it's a it's a high wire act, and you know you guys know because we've lived it on a couple of on a couple of projects. For us in casting, it's about being true to the material, and I know that in the cluttered world of what's out there, we need to sell the project, and that's why when things go straight to series, it's a lot more fun because they're not just judging <laughs> that one the one pilot. I mean, the old way of doing network pilots it's so antiquated it doesn't make sense anymore. Because uh, people really, their viewing habits have changed. So people yeah. want to get to know the characters. I mean, it's like closing a book after the first chapter because it didn't make sense. And so when you don't go back to a show, I figure it's because that pilot was too, it was too confusing. And sometimes networks will want you to add that character and add that character and add that character. And really, they shouldn't come in till episode four. Right. right. So when we look at a script, we'll say, really, you know, do you need all this? Does this all make sense? We'll talk to the writers and say, is this going to end up on the editing room floor? If not, let's save that character for down the line. Do we really have to introduce them now? And I'm sure you guys experience this. So many people need need a comment just to hear their voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just, 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 just stop. Just stop. Mm-hmm. Let us let us just do what we do. If you're not, I, I listened to your episode about boulders. You know what I'm saying? If you're not going to be yes. part of the solution, stop. Yes, just it 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 uh, it uh, it's really hard for for us in casting sometimes because there's a lot of voices and we really want to be true to the script, which means being true to the writers and the director. Well, one uh, just compliment I have to give you, Don, is no <laughs> uh, one thing I think you're great at is interpreting. Like when we're sort of, there's a cacophony of what's happening. I feel like we can call you and say, <laughs> okay, what is your take on this? Right. Like, what's the bottom line here? I call you know? it cutting to the chase or looking at the yes. big picture. Right. And and it's like you, because of your role and also your experience, have the ability to, to say sort of, this is how this is going to play out. So you can do this or this, right. you know? And I think- from our point of view, that's so valuable because we don't have your experience. Right. So I just want to thank you for oh sort of God, being an so interpreter. I am an interpreter. <laughs> you know, I think of it as no bullshit. That's what I like about you. Oh, you are bullshit. no bullshit. Oh it's like God, we can call you and just get the direct answer, which is so yes. needed. <laughs> because yes. It's, yes. I like cutting to the chase. There's absolutely, you guys need to be back in the writer's room 
you need to be casting, you need to be talking to the designers and the DP and, you know, all the stuff that you do. You don't need to be spending hours on the phone with a problem that can be solved in the first sentence. So many people, we come to the solution in the first five minutes and then everybody has to say something and then someone at the end <laughs> says, well, you know what we should do. And then, of course, I look at my team and going, I said that five, you know, a half hour ago. I mean, it's, <laughs> exactly. yes. it's so frustrating. I mean, we all do it. Um, a lot of people are trying to justify their jobs. Some people are really good at it. Some people aren't. So we just, we go with the flow. We go with the flow. Now, Don, we mentioned in your intro, you went to the famous High School of Performing Arts in New York City, um, uh, which is the home of fame, one of my favorite movies. You were actually in fame. I was. So you did start as an actor. What brought you to casting? Well, I think like all young little Jewish girls growing up in New York City, whose mother dabbled in theater in, in her life, I had no choice. I always knew showbiz was going to be it for me. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, so I went to the high school performing arts. I got in. I did two monologues. I'll never forget. I did Emily from Our Town and Alexander <laughs> from The Little Foxes. I was the, the ingenue there. I think by my junior year, it was such a serious school. I think by my junior year, I knew I just didn't want to do this. And my senior year, Alan Parker came to the high school and said to the head of the drama department, making this movie, and I need somebody to be my right hand, to show me around the school, to tell me stories, to meet me every day for coffee, to talk about the experience of the high school. The script wasn't done yet. Oh, wow. And the head of the drama department said, I have somebody for you. And it was me. And so I met with Alan Parker. I had a job my senior year. Every day after school, I went over to Times Square to this building where the whole production office was set up. It was insane. And they were paying me to do this. And I sat with Alan Parker in a room and we talked about the high school and what it was like uh, for kids that didn't want to be there and for kids that wanted to be there. And I told him story after story after story. And at at the end of, I guess it was May, he said, hey, do you want to stay on and we'll put you in the casting department and you can work with, and it took, it was Howard Fuhrer, Margie Simpkin and Joy Todd. It took three casting offices to cast that movie. And I bounced back in between all of them and I would show the tapes and the pictures to Alan Parker at the end. And uh, I'll never forget. I got a call. It was the summer in New York city, hot. The kitchen phone rang, you know, and the kitchen phone back in the day was on the wall. Yes. And my mother's like, someone's on the phone for you. And it was Howard Fuhrer who said, Alan Parker wants to give you a role in the movie. What? And I didn't want to be an actress. And he said, Alan knows you don't want to be an actress, so this will be the only movie you'll ever be in. And he loves that idea. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Wow. Don, what advice do you have for actors who are just starting out? It's such a different world now, I think, than it was. There are so many different shows, but so much is online. Like, how do people even begin? Well, obviously, training, training, training. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can, go to drama school, you know, any kind of grad school to get your degree. Uh, There are some really great, you know, schools out there. Let's say you can't, and you're just coming out of college, and you don't have the money to go to grad school. There are theater schools. Um, if comedy is your thing, you go to a teacher that specializes in comedy. If drama is your thing, you go to acting schools that, that specialize in that. Maybe you stay in your local market and just do theater and build up your resume. But I would say 
you know, if you know you're auditioning for a television show, you can now go online and find an episode of that TV show somewhere. Look at the tempo of the Mm. show. Look at the writing of the show. Research the writers. What have they done before? What's their background? Who's directing the episode? Uh, Try and get a copy of a script. Uh, Because of COVID, every single young actor, I feel for them. They're doing self-tapes in their closet. The art of the self-tape. I think for all generations of actors has become something they're not used to. Uh, it, having a director in the room is something actors used to just love because they would play back and forth. Now they're playing back and forth with either their spouse or a friend, or they're just watching themselves back and forth. And I'm not sure the medium was meant to go that way. I'm not sure that's how it was meant to be, but that's how it's going to be for a long time. So I'd say get good at that. And actually really just training, training, training. There are, you know, you can get you can get online a script or some plays and have some friends sit around and, and read it together. Hear the rhythm of the writers. Hear what they're doing and and play with the material. I think young actors starting out just have to have a thick skin. Mm, yeah. And they have to just keep, you know, going at it. If you love it, it'll happen. One comment I would make about the self-tape is lighting. Oh, yes. Definitely. Yeah, and I get that think we talked about this before, but it is worth investing in a little bit of lighting to make sure that you're you just don't look like you're in shadow because that can just kill a whole audition. No, I agree. And look, I know that writers, directors are busy in the writer's room. I mean, my a pet peeve of mine is I'll say to the casting director, did anybody come in? And he'll go, no, the writers are writing. I'm like, well, where are they? And he says, they're down the hall. I said, wait a minute. The writers are down the hall, and the writer of that episode couldn't come into the room for a half hour to see your selects. Mm. And I think that there's also becoming a group of, of writers who don't look up and are always looking at the whiteboard. And I think they would become better showrunners. They would become better producers if they also went to casting And that's how it used to be. And I don't know that it's ever going to get back that way. And I'm not talking COVID because nobody expected that. But it would be great if if you could say to a casting director, okay, I don't need to see 20 choices. Bring me your top five. We'll come into the room. Oh, my God. Their head would explode. And the actors would be so happy. But that hasn't happened in a really long time. And I think that we have to figure out a way to get back to that. That is so interesting. Especially for comedy. Yes. Because comedy really needs an audience. And when you take a scene out of a comedy script and you read 20 people and it just lies there, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if the writer was in the room and they could play with the actor and get the actor's energy and allow the actor to improv, A, the character would come to life, the scene would be better. And oh my God, a connection was made between an actor and a writer. I think also when you're in a room with an actor, even if they're not right for a particular part, you can get a sense of them and a sense of who they are and know, oh wait, this person would be really cool for this other thing. Or the next time a character comes up for that person, you think of them in a way that you won't if you just sort of see them on tape. And that I agree 100%. And that's what casting directors do. And that's why a lot of writers stick with the same casting director from project to project because they'll say, remember that actor that came in with the hat when we were doing (laughs) that show 20 years ago? Now, more than not, that casting director remembers that actor with the hat. But the relationship between the writers and the casting directors are so important because 
we're getting in your heads and we're knowing your taste and who you like and we're remembering people that you may have forgotten and the process could actually it would actually cut down on the 20 or 30 people that they're bringing in for one scene because you're there and you're having that connection with them which I think is so I know. important. I'm going to take yeah. uh, Don's pet peeve, Sarah, and apply it to us because I know sometimes... I have one more. Okay, what is your I other... Oh, good, you okay. Want. It's very helpful because okay. we're always trying to improve, you know, our how, our, how we okay. do, so it's very helpful. Okay, so this is a biggie. <laughs> yeah. You ready? Okay. So nine times out of 10, writers, producers, give the actor... Let's talk about episodic television. So this isn't your pilot. These are your episodes. You give the, the casting director the first draft and say, we need to get this cast. Now, a first draft, as we know, is going through many, many, many changes. But the casting director isn't getting those changes as it's being written. They're going on that first draft, which is always mm-hmm. great. It's okay. So you're getting a tape of actors for, let's say, the role of Phil. And you're listening to these 10 actors read the role of Phil. And you're like, oh, my God, this is not very good. We need to see more people. But it's not necessarily the actors. A lot of times it's that first draft because it really wasn't ready. Then what you'll do, not blaming you, then what they do is, you know what? We don't like any of these people. Who's offer only? Mm. So then your casting director goes and gets a bunch of tapes of actors. And on those demos, you're seeing Better Call Saul and SWAT and The Good Doctor and all these great shows. And you're going, oh, yeah, that's the actor I want. But you're looking at a demo of all these shows that have been through a writer's room and been produced. So I feel bad for the working actor that actually got up that day, showered, put himself on tape, was working off a first draft and isn't getting the job because the material wasn't ready. A hundred percent. Fair point. Yes. That is something. A hundred percent. No, we know an actor who was recast They were like, this role, it's just so awful. And we were watching, and I will say it was not our show. We were watching going, that's the writing. It's actually not the actor's fault. She was performing it the way that it was written. That's where the problem was. And it had nothing to do with her. But she got recast, and we felt really bad. Yeah, I try and urge all writers, if if your casting director is bringing you a session and you want to look at the offer-only tape, Give, give an actor a break. Mm-hmm. Give an actor a break. Hire a working actor that comes in and auditions that, you know, has the right ring light, has the right lighting, <laughs> did the scene. It just, it, uh, it's, it's another pet peeve. Well, we are definitely taking that to heart, Don. Yeah. Well, yes, we will take that oh, to heart. Good. I know we have been guilty of that for sure. And, you know, fair enough that, that it, sometimes the writing just isn't there. We'll also go back to the casting director and say, is there anyone you want us to look at again that we passed over, but you really love? And I love that you do that. And I hope that that casting director has enough guts and confidence in their own ability to say to you, I really think you should hire this guy. I watched him on an episode of Perry Mason or I yeah. cast him <laughs> in an episode of you know something and they were fabulous. And I would hope that the casting directors do do that because I know that casting directors really do fight for actors. Yes, they, they really do. do. Mark is doing an amazing yeah. job, I will say, on Fantasy Island. Yeah. And Bonnie, our casting director in Puerto yes. Rico. She has done an amazing job. And we could not do this job without you, without everyone in casting. So we thank you, Don, and we are um, 
so lucky to get to work with you. Hopefully we'll oh do my it God. many times you guys again are. in the future. And I, and I have to say, because I've been listening to your podcast, to your audience, um, you've not sugarcoated it. <laughs> it's uh, the last couple of weeks have been hard. I'm, I'm shocked that you guys, well, one of you was in a closet and one of you was in an office. So uh, as I'm looking at you, but the last few weeks have not been easy and uh, you guys really have have done a great job. You've steered the ship. With lots of help. Yes. Thanks, Dawn. Thank you, Dawn. So much fun. Bye. Bye, guys. Coming up and take a hike. We will talk about what we're going to do differently when we go back to Puerto Rico next week. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for Take a Hike, in which we discuss mental, physical, and spiritual health. Today, we are talking about what we're going to do differently going back to Puerto Rico. Yes. So as we've discussed on the podcast, a lot of our health habits were not great uh, when we were on location in Puerto Rico. That's a nice way to put it. And uh, you brought up that we should be mindful as we head back to Puerto Rico and do things differently. So, Sarah, what are you going to do differently? Well, the main thing that I'm doing differently is this time I'm going to stay in one of the little um, vacation club apartments at the resort. I'm not going to stay in a hotel room. And my hope is that that will allow me to have healthy breakfast. Like, usually I have eggs for breakfast and that's it. Mm-hmm. So my plan is that I can do that for breakfast. Violet can have cereal and or eggs like that. We can have sort of a regular as usual breakfast. And then because I've talked about the $22 pasta with butter that like <sighs> I can make her pasta with yeah. butter for dinner if that's what she wants without spending an insane amount of money. Now, what about you, Liz? Well, I have to say, I want to say I'm going to do things differently. I don't, <laughs> I honestly don't know if I will. I'm just going to be honest with you. I would love to say that I'm going to have all these uh, things I'm doing to maintain better habits, but I just don't know that I will. I mean, <laughs> like there's, I like to say I'm going to start going to the gym as our writers, many of our writers did every day, but I just don't know that that's going to happen. Well, I just, there's just no way we'll have time for that. Like I, I like what we shouldn't do is set ourselves up with expectations that are unattainable. Yeah. yeah. Like yes. it, w- there's no way you'll have time to go to the gym probably once, much less every day. <laughs> Here's one thing I am hoping. So Adam and Jack's plan is to come for a week or eight days, something like that um, while we're there. 
And my hope is to at least maybe do night swims with them. Maybe go on some sort of excursion um, <laughs> so that at least I'm mentally healthier yes. to hanging out with them and having some family time, enjoying. Puerto Rico is a magical, wonderful place that, you know, you and I didn't so much experience because uh, we were just working. <laughs> so I'm hoping at least having them there will force me to take some time. Like when we were there before, you would go on long walks with Violet at, you know, seven in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't do any of that because I didn't have my family. And I so I kind of just ignored all that. So I'm hoping that having them there will motivate me. Yes. One thing I was thinking about me staying at the apartments is we won't be like 20 feet away from each other. Yes. We'll have to walk back and forth, which will add a little bit of walking to our day. Sarah, I had the exact same thought. I was imagining myself walking back from your apartment to my room at like one in the morning. And I'm like, well, that'll be extra steps. That's right. <laughs> and Sarah, I am going to commit to keeping fewer bags of chips in my room. Because as you know, <laughs> I was squirreling away little mini bags of chips uh, yes. compulsively when we were there. So, so that's one thing I'm going to do. Fewer chips, more walking, and night swims. Yes, night swims. Coming up, this week's Hollywood hack will make you cry and then laugh. But first, this break. I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local Local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. This came up because it's very personal to us right, right <laughs> now. This is not a hypothetical, oh, someday. This is a in-this-moment kind of hack, and it is... Allow yourself to cry. Yes, Sarah, sometimes you just <laughs> got to cry and it's okay. Uh, I had one of these moments yesterday. I was just overwhelmed. And, you know, as we talk about a lot, our job really is to be overwhelmed and to take criticism and to pivot and redo and juggle and all of that. That is our job. But I mean, sometimes we're human and and we just, and, uh, you know, kind of crack, I would say. And yesterday, things piled up in such a manner that I just like sobbed in Adam's arms for a good <laughs> 10 minutes. And it helped. And it was like, I just, yeah. I needed to just cry, you know? Yeah. 
And I hadn't cried yet on this show. I know, right? Exactly. We had yet to have kind of a tearful day. And then because you were crying, later I started to cry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you were crying in, in empathy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, Liz, I have to tell you, we were texting each other last night. I'm just going to go cry myself to sleep. <laughs> and you were like, I am too. And this morning, Violet had my iPad. <laughs> She goes, your texts with Liz are so funny. Oh, really? Oh, my God. That is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. But uh, I was like, uh, they're sadly, they're not funny. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But again, but, like today we're laughing again. I mean, so it right. just shows you like here we are laughing. I don't know that we would have been laughing today had we not just let ourselves cry yesterday. Exactly. Sometimes it's just necessary and it's you know, okay. It is okay to cry. Allow yourself to cry and then move on and do what you have to do. Yes. And hopefully laugh. All right. That's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions and comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks so much to the amazing and talented Don Steinberg for joining us today. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13, and as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30, Melissa Urban and everything happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft and I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job and we enjoy it. So Liz, I'm now packing like suitcases for multiple places. I have a <laughs> camp trunk. I have a whole camp section. Then I have stuff to go back to Puerto Rico. Then I have things that are going to L.A. that don't need to go to Puerto Rico. Like We have literally been living out of a suitcase since the end of March. Oh, my God. And you're suitcases. going to be for <laughs> another at least month. Yeah. And then what? Where am I living? Can someone tell me that, please? This I don't know. <laughs> From the Onward Project.